What's up, everybody? It's Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, where we're gearing up for another exciting NFL season. We'll be with you every Sunday after the Pats with three-time Super Bowl champion James White to recap the game and break down the biggest moments. Plus, episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays to cover all things Patriots with your favorite Boston sports guests, as well as familiar voices from the Ringer Podcast Network. So follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. The East Coast Bias Boys are back. It is a Monday edition right here on the Ring of Gambling Show. The triple threat in action. Raheem Palmer, Joe House, who's truly JJ, John Jastrzemski. And fellas, I guess it's good news, bad news for me, House, because I had my worst wagering week of the season after a phenomenal week one and a phenomenal week two. Regression to the mean in week three. But when your favorite football team drops a 70-burger, I guess you really can't be bitching too much, man. So I, I guess there's that. How you guys doing this morning? Yeah, JJ, you were sucking up to, to the New York people. You tried to step in with that Jets action. We, we, we warned you against it, but I, I admire your commitment to the, to the New York cause. I'm not going to hold that against you. Uh, I want to just make the observation Again, every week we have to remind ourselves not to overreact. Um, we had three different underdogs of at least eight points at different times in the week, and sometimes more than that. Win straight up, right? The Colts won straight up in Baltimore. Houston won straight up down in Jacksonville. Bum-ass Jacksonville. And Arizona at home against Dallas, a straight-up winner. The only two big favorites that covered were San Francisco on a short week against the Giants and then the Chiefs just handled their business 
against uh, uh, the Bears. No contest whatsoever. I just want to remind you, this is our, our, our good pal, Kevin Clark, recently of The Ringer, now with ESPN. He, he reminded us in week three of last year, the Colts beat the Chiefs, and the Colts finished 4-12. and 12. The Nathaniel Hackett Broncos beat the 49ers in week three last year. Remember that and, one. And the Bears won their second game of the season in week three. They were 2-1 and one at this stage last year. So it's a marathon, not a sprint. Let's not get too too crazy with some of these outcomes. Although I will say I do think we're learning the, the character, at least at this stage of the game, of a few of these teams. And I have some some cautionary tape around a handful of teams, J.J. I understand that, Raheem. As we sit back and evaluate what we saw in week three, a couple of massive underdogs went outright to House's point. The Texans went outright against the Jaguars. The Colts with Gordon Minshew went outright against the Baltimore Ravens. Cardinals, for what it's worth, Joshua Dobbs would be the toast of New York City. If he played for the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, forget about being a starter. He's not good enough to be a backup in the league. That's how pathetic he is. So shame on me for that jet pick. You're absolutely right about that, fellas, and I'll take accountability for that. But Raheem, if there is a takeaway you have, sir, from the action we saw here in week number three, what would it be? The Cowboys in the red zone. They were one of five, and they should have put up a lot more points. But I think the thing that you're seeing from the Cowboys is, I know everybody wanted to see Ezekiel Elliott gone, but Ezekiel Elliott was the guy in the red zone. Tony Pollard is not. We also lose Dalton Schultz. Those were two of the guys who scored most of our touchdowns in the red zone, and you're see that we're struggling at this point. So it's going to be up to... Mike McCarthy to put something together in the red zone. You also saw that vaunted Cowboys defense. It can be beat. I mean, they, they use Michael Parsons' aggressiveness against him. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys do. I think coaching is, is really going to take this team as far as they could possibly go because, like, this is not the team that we thought that they were. You know, like, obviously you lose digs. That's a big loss. But – for the Cowboys to lose that game, it, it says a lot to me. And I don't I don't want to overreact to one loss, but that's a game that you got to get. Boys, I have two big takeaways from what I saw. Two coaches should be absolutely roasted to the high heavens. Two that come to mind. One, Sean Payton. I know the Miami Dolphin offense is super special. We know how great Mike McDaniel is and drawing up space and getting guys going and Tyreek and Raheem Mostert and Acne, the kid from Texas A&M. It is NFL football, and you gave up 70 points. That is an absolute disgrace. Sean Payton, who ran his mouth in the offseason, Sean Payton, who talked a big game in the offseason, his team stinks. You know, everybody is killing Russell Wilson, and I get it. Russell Wilson is the easy guy to rag on because he's making a ton of money. You know what I'm seeing with the Denver Broncos? The same shit I saw last year under Nathaniel Hackett. That is an absolute disgrace what they put on film today. That's number one. Here's the other one, Raheem. This moron Josh McDaniels. Can, can we acknowledge, and maybe I'm just salty because I, I, I can't stand Josh McDaniels. He's another one of these guys that just carries himself like this better than, like you have invented football. You stunk as a head coach the first time around. You stink now as a head coach. How about that decision to kick a field goal? 
on fourth and three, down eight. I'm watching that game. I'm like, this moron is legitimately going to go and kick a field goal at this point in time. Give me a break, dude. And not only not only did he kick a field goal once, he got bailed out and then kicked the field goal again. And me personally, I'm thanking God. I'm thanking heavens. I'm thanking Buddha. I'm thinking Allah. I'm thinking Jesus. I'm thinking every God out there because I had the under 43 and a half. If he goes for the touchdown, then the over the under is done. And my biggest thing is the Raiders shouldn't even have been in that position in the first place because they had the worst rough in the passer penalty on Minka Fitzpatrick ever. If they get that rough in the passer penalty, it's third and 16. The Raiders are down 23 to 7. They likely don't convert. It's four minutes left. Like, the, the Steelers run that clock out, and I'm fine on the under. But then they make that that, that call, and now the, the total and the side is a sweat. So I was very frustrated, but I thank Josh McDaniels for bailing me out. Yeah, JJ, to Dream's point, week three also featured a whole slew of highly questionable officiating calls uh, that's just a, a reminder as you think about the variables when you're trying to handicap games, when you're trying to pick a side or a total, you have to factor in the unknowable unknown of how the referees are going to dictate the outcome. And a lot of smart analytics folks have started trying to grab the characteristics of various refereeing crews with the head referee and the crew underneath of them and try and give you that lean. That might be something. It might be officially time because think about what happened in that Baltimore game, a play where Baltimore is driving in overtime to get a, a game winning field goal. It's fourth and three and it's a pass interference in every game on the board across the way except for in that game where the referees swallowed their whistle. We had Amari Cooper with a touchdown taken away by a field judge who's literally standing looking at his feet, and it wasn't close. It wasn't a close call, but the Browns had a t TD taken away. Now, it didn't matter because that Browns defense is as legit as we have been talking, boys. But look, we, I think here on East Coast Bias, need to start taking recognition of who these referee crews are and see if we can't try and, and handicap a little bit because we got punched in the face with a handful of those kinds of situations today. That's yesterday. a great point, House. Great, great point. And I also think you can look at it from when you're dealing with a certain coaching staff, the Chargers and the Vikings. And, of course, that game ended in the most classic Charger-Viking game way imaginable. I mean, that was just, like, so appropriate – so on brand, so on script, not the least bit surprising at all. But to your point, House, about the officials, I think it's something you have to factor into with the caps with these coaches. And, and I want to say this about Brandon Staley. I think everybody knows listening on East Coast Bias, I'm not a fan. I do not think he's a good coach. I think he is a problem for the Los Angeles Chargers. With all that being said, I'm saying it. I had no problem on fourth and one going for it. Now, there's no rhyme or reason with Staley because the week prior, he's punting in situations that are similar. So, he's, uh, I don't even know where to begin, but that was one house in all seriousness watching the game. And I got into an argument because I had a couple of buddies over and they're yelling at me for this. I'm like, honestly, I would have went for it there. I didn't have a problem with it. I really didn't. Yeah, JJ, to me, and I'm interested in Dream's take on this, the issue for me was not the decision, it was the play call. What 
and from the game script that they enjoyed over the course of the day, what made them think that that particular play, it was the game-winning leverage moment. That's why he made the decision that he made. The, the, the data supported it, right? There was a slight preference for going for it over punting in terms of the win probability, but you can't have that play call. That's the problem with, with you know, if you look at it um, from the from the data perspective, you you have to contextualize who's making the decision and what decision are they making, and how does that decision fit inside of the game script that's that's occurred? And you know, I I, I <laughs> it, it was the most Vikings Chargers outcome possible, um, but in and of itself, I didn't have an issue with it either. Dream, yeah, I like the idea of going for it there because. If you pick it up, you win the game. And let's just say the Vikings, you know, they score. You have more than enough time to get down and score yourself. So I do like the idea of going for it. But I agree with House. The play call was just bad. I mean, you could have passed the ball all over that Vikings defense. You could have, you know, did quarterback sneak. There's a million different things you could have done to to pick up that one yard. Now, speaking of decision making, this isn't being talked about enough. And, you know, the Packers were down 17-0 at the start of the fourth quarter. It was 17-3. And when the Packers score a touchdown um, to make it 17-9, they elect to go for two. And you see, a, you see a lot of coaches don't do this, but that is absolutely 100% the right move. And we need to see this more often because the Packers went for two, and it's six minutes and 58 seconds left on the in the, in the game. And the Packers get the ball back, and they score a touchdown, and they have the lead. So that game was very interesting because we know J.J. was on it. And well, it depended on how- where you got the number exactly, Raheem. So yeah. like when we locked it in on East Coast bias early in the week, it's a big fat loser for me. Now, when we were doing Wise Guys Sunday at 11 a.m., if you got the Packers at plus money or you got them at minus one, you ended up getting a push. That's a decision, Raheem, where for me, and, you know, I'm in a certain contest where we had a certain line at minus two, uh, selfishly, I would have preferred them kick the extra point. But from a strategic standpoint and from a winning standpoint, I mm-hmm. love the decision. It's the right decision by LaFleur. And, Raheem, I think we're going to see more and more teams start to do this. And it's it's another one of those handicaps you got to factor in when you see a point spread, Right. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like, it's so interesting because in preseason, you notice that one and two are key numbers because teams tend to go for two more often than not because they don't want to play for overtime. So I wonder if you're going to see that more and more in the NFL. One thing I want to say is that this game, it made it clear that you always have to get the best of the number because both sides wanted this game. You could have got Saints plus one and a half. You could have got Packers plus one and a half. So, I mean, obviously there were some injury news which brought the Saints to being a favorite. I mean, the Packers won that game despite not having David um, Bakhtiari, not having Elton Jenkins, not having Aaron Jones, not having Christian Watson. And then they go into Detroit this week. If those guys are healthy, I think this is a good spot for the Green Bay Packers. But you got to check that injury um, news. And for what it's worth, House, I know we got a Thursday pod to do, so I don't want to give too many thoughts about what we're going to see in week four. That is a revenge spot for the Packers. Remember, Detroit last year knocked their asses out of the postseason, that final game for Aaron Rodgers in week 18 on Sunday Night Football. So 
Maybe a little revenge on the mind of the Packers. But that was a gut check win for that man, impressed by Green Bay. And well, now you got to see what's going on with Carr and the Saints and his injury over the next few weeks. Yeah, that was uh, kind of a bummer if you're a, a Saints backer to have Carr you know, injured at that point. Because the, the Saints look pretty good to me. I mean, it's not like the teams that they faced thus far this season are outright chumps. I mean, obviously – you know, taking care of business um, against the Panthers is 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 fine. But um, I want to follow up on the Thursday point. I wonder if the Packers deliberately decided to have that group of injured players ready for Thursday and sat, was willing to live with the outcome of Sunday, that, that they made uh, the Thursday game the priority because they know that after that Thursday game, those guys will all get 10 days rest. So um, I wonder if that was a little bit strategic. All right, boys. We have two Monday night football games to get to. They're fascinating on two different fronts, on two different levels. We will get to the Rams and Cincinnati Bengals. And will we see Joe Burrow in action on Monday night? We'll also get to the Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are the Bucs at 2-0, a live dog? We'll dive in right after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. All right, boys. Two Monday night football games to get to. You have the Eagles and the Bucks. You have the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, House, I've been thinking about this for what it's worth. I don't love these Monday Night Doubleheaders when they're going on at the same time. Like, 
uh, if they now I I know I'm a weirdo and I'm a creature of the night. So like for me, if they put a game on at 9:30, 10 o'clock, I'm gonna be all about it. And I know a majority of the country is gonna be like, "Screw you, JJ, I'm going to bed." I can manage a lot on Sunday. I feel like after multitasking up the wazoo on Sunday and watching all my screens and having my head on a swivel, I feel like on Monday, I just need like one game to digest on. You know, like I love football. I love more action. I felt like it was a little exhausting last week. I'm not going to lie. Just throwing that out there. Well, I mean, think about me. I'm I'm a couple years older than you guys. I have to get through that whole day. I'm making my notes all, all the way through. I'm, I'm on the look-ahead lines for week four. I mean, trying to keep track of all this. I I share your sentiment. I'm I'm okay with an island game, a one-game Monday night uh, football. I don't know what the underlying rationale is. Maybe it's a scheduling um, mechanic. I haven't done any deep dive into why it is that we're getting two straight weeks of two – Monday night uh, football games, but um, I- I'll be fine when we go back to to one game a week. I like the the double Monday night game. I just wish they put them on one at a time. The biggest thing that I don't like when it comes to the NFL schedule is the 1 p.m. sleep. You'll have seven or eight games at 1 p.m., and then at 4 p.m., you only have three games. Oh, the so, 4 o'clock games were so bad, Raheem. I mean, yeah. I know your Cowboys were in a close game and ended up losing it late. Uh, but those three matchups, I mean, a Panthers-Seahawks game stunk. Ten, ten zillion penalties. And then the only interest in that Chief-Bear game was seeing Taylor freaking Swift in a luxury box. I mean, that was the only thing I cared about with that game. I mean, that that's the problem. When the 4 o'clock games are bad and you only have three of them, no bueno, bro. No bueno. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, let, let's get to these games tonight, guys. Philly and Tampa Bay. Raheem, the Eagles are 2-0. To me, they have looked like a vulnerable 2-0. They easily could have lost week one in New England. Uh, they got a gazillion turnovers from the Minnesota Vikings, and they won a Thursday night game in week two. Now, extra time to prepare. They have that working in their favor. They're also going up against the Tampa team. That's been surprising so far. They won against Minnesota in week one on the road. They smoked the Chicago Bears because the Chicago Bears are inept. Five points. Feels like a lot to me. I'm thinking value here is on yeah, top balls at Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can I get you to ride with Tampa Bay tonight? Mm, see, I liked it at six and a half, close to seven, but five is right where I have it. Um, if anything, I think the value is on the over. I think you're going to see some points in this game. <laughs> House, Eagles, Bucks, where do we stand? So... I, I I agree with Dream. I don't know what to do about the number. Um, the one thing that concerns me with Tampa is the fact that they have played two teams that aren't really capable of producing real uh, uh, um, pressure by any means other than the blitz. And Baker Mayfield against the Vikings blitz was 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 fine, but they beat the Vikings because the Vikings beat themselves. They beat the Vikings because the Vikings turned the ball over four times and then beating the bears at home speaking of another team that beats themselves i mean the bears are you know right there with with the broncos as the worst franchise in football this year so i don't know what the real identity of this buccaneers team is i think that the eagles defense is capable of bringing pressure with the front four 
and that is an issue for Baker Mayfield historically. He has not been good. While he's been okay against the blitz, he's not good against um, regular pressure where the where the secondary um, can just sit back and the Eagles get back both Blankenship and Bradbury in the secondary, and we know for sure that their front four can bring the, the, the pressure. Conversely, the Eagles' offense has been lackluster. They are not very good at all in drop-back uh, efficiency thus far. Jalen Hurts in the passing offense hasn't really got going. They've had some deep strikes. The Devontae Smith strike last week was, you know, something that will help their overall numbers. But they haven't been efficient with the pass yet. And I don't know if this Bucks team, this Bucks uh, defense is quietly under Todd Bowles pretty efficient, but it's hard to say because they played the Vikings and, and, and the Bears, so it's a tough handicap. Maybe I'll just do what Dream's recommending and root for points and play the over. Here's the one thing I would say, though, in defense of Tampa Bay. Their defense brought back a lot of guys who have been a part of that group in the unit that won a Super Bowl. And the Eagles offensively have not so far this year looked like that same juggernaut of an Eagle offense that we saw Last year. Now, I know they ended up putting up a lot of points against the Minnesota Vikings. There was some self-inflicted wounds. Minnesota basically shooting themselves in the foot. Bah, bah, bah. Had a couple of big plays. I think the Tampa Bay defense is going to show up in this game. Now, it may show up to the point where you still end up getting an over anyway. But I think that is, to me, the reason they find a way to stay competitive in this game. I'm not going the other side myself. I am going to take a shot. Not on the money line, but I'm going to take a shot with Tampa covering the number against the Eagles. All right, guys. Game two, the line movement, Raheem, has been fascinating with this game because there's just so much uncertainty. And we sit here, we're taping this podcast at 11.27 on Monday morning on the East Coast. So we're still awaiting word to whether or not Joe Burrow is going to be playing in this game the look-ahead line was seven and a half. It got as low as one and a half. We talked about that yesterday. And now I'm seeing some threes in the market. Uh, and I may be jumping to conclusions here. Am I maybe overreacting? Is this line indicating we think we're going to get Joe Burrow on the field later on today or no? Yeah, I think it, it does indicate that he's going to play. I mean, I think the books are kind of hedging there, moving it to three. Um you know, there's people on Twitter, well, X now, reporting that he did go through a morning workout this morning and this optimism that he's going to play. And he's he's campaigning his coaching staff in order to play, but his status is still uncertain. So me personally, I would I would wait on this um, just because, I mean, you can kind of just, if you want to, preemptively take the two and a half or take the three with the Cincinnati Bengals. And if he plays, this line's going to go up, and then maybe you can try to middle it from the other side. You might get nothing more than a, a two, three-point middle, but you could try to do something like that. But if he doesn't play, I mean, this line's probably going to drop to about, you know, one and a half or so. Um, I, I'm staying away. I think the sharp money was taking the Rams last week with the six, but I'm, I'm staying off of this right now. House. Yeah, we missed the boat. There's no opportunity now to grab genuine value. And, you know, based on the reports thus far today and the, and the morning walkthrough, I wouldn't be surprised to see him try to play 
this is absolutely a vital game for the Bengals. They can't lose this game. Otherwise, their playoff hopes are are, are, are dead in the water. Um, but trying to play with that calf injury and making it through a full game are two entirely different propositions. And I'm trying to think about what a live betting opportunity might present. You know, if, if, uh, if, if the Bengals get up early and, you know, um, there's a there's a money line number that might show up on the Rams. See, I, I I am skeptical that that Joe Burrow will be able to make it all the way through this game, and I know for sure that the Bengals' rushing offense is not good. Uh, they don't they don't um, run block very well thus far this season. And now they did play two formidable defenses, but um, the Rams have been fine against the rush this season. So you can't protect Burrow with rushes, and I I just you know. I, I, I don't want anybody at, of his stature to be hurt, but I'm just skeptical of him making it all the way through a game tonight, JJ. Listen, I totally understand that. Um, and that's why this line to me is so difficult to cap because you just don't know what you're getting from Joe Burrow for four quarters. You don't know if he's going to play, period. Now, I'm going to throw a little disclaimer in here. It's a major one. I don't know if he's playing this game. If he can get through four quarters, I like the Bengals tonight. They were 0-2 last year. They responded against the Jets. Now you're putting them at home. The Rams have played a couple of division games already. Put a division game against the Niners. Put a division game against Seattle. I know it's Monday night, so people are going to say letdown, JJ. You see a letdown? I actually do here in this spot. I'm not ready to sell all of my Cincinnati stock. Now, I know this is a big risk because I could go and fire this wager in. We get a Schefter tweet at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon that he's ruled out, and I'm going to feel like a horse's ass for having money on the Cincinnati Bengals. But that's my lean in the game. I think he's going to play. I think the Bengals find a way, whatever the case may be. And again, if you have six and a half with the Los Angeles Rams, I'm not going to fight you on that. You got the better of the number. I just... I can't justify taking the Rams, Raheem, with this number being as low as it is. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't justify it either. Um, the one thing I did take was I did take the Cincinnati Bengals under nine and a half wins on adjusted win total. If you listened to the Rosh Diamond show last week, I talked about the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. I also took them to miss the postseason at minus 110. So um, if he doesn't play, it really puts them in a bad spot. And then... Even if he does play, we just don't know if he's going to get through that game. I mean, a calf injury is very serious. Um, You guys know I had one. So um, I think that the Bengals under nine and a half wins, adjusted win total, and the, the missed the playoffs is a good bet. Uh, House, any interest in this total tonight, which currently sits here at 43 and a half? No. I, I, I can't, you know, come up with a script without knowing um, whether Burrow's going to play. The version of Burrow that, that – damn near finished that game last week they got cooking a little bit in the second half I mean they it was you know him to T Higgins a couple different times with with touchdown passes that that looked like okay all right here's the the version of the Bengals that we expect but he couldn't get through the 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 whole game so uh I don't want to mess around with the total without knowing who the quarterback of the Bengals are because you 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 go ahead and buy uh, and over in that spot, and then watch Jake Browning come out. And then what are you going to do? So basically, Raheem, you're saying the total, for me, it's kind of in And I don't have a feel on the total at all in this game for what it's worth. But in many ways, it is kind of intertwined to whether or not we get Joe Burrow out there. 
Yeah, it's definitely intertwined. I mean, if I had to, if I had to go with something, I would just go first half under. <laughs> like I just would kind of just hope that you know Burrow gets off to a rusty start and it's not looking too good. But I mean, I don't really trust. I don't. I don't have a ton of respect for that Rams defense. So it's just like I can't really even trust an under in this spot because, like, you look at the first half of that Seahawks game against the Rams. The Seahawks scored on every possession before they couldn't do anything in the second half and then we all know the 49ers got whatever they wanted so um this is a, a really tough one boys tough to find games we really like on the board I- i'm gonna hold my nose take the buccaneers plus the points uh i'm leaning cincinnati but i don't know if i have the guts to go and fire on cincinnati uh fair to say guys we don't really have a great feel for monday night football this evening you know there are times where i feel like we're coming out firing with these takes and whatnot Tampa Bay is my best bet on the board, and I don't even love it that much. Just throwing that out there. I, I like the over in the, in the Eagles Bucks game. That I mean, okay. that's that's the play I'm going with. I'm going with over 44, over 44. Yeah, I think it's the 44, 44 and a half. That's what I would go with. Well, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll have Week Four preview. There's a certain game that I think is going to bring some dissension amongst the East Coast bias ranks, which I very much look forward to. Uh, that's I, got a co- I got a couple early picks. I got a couple early picks. Oh, you want to drop like. early picks on us? Okay, fair enough. Then go ahead. All right, so I put three on Twitter already. Um, Cleveland Browns minus one and a half um, hosting the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you saw that defense um, with the, the Cleveland Browns. I just unreal. Um, and the Ravens are still banged up with injuries. Um, so I did t- take the Cleveland Browns minus one and a half. You can find that on FanDuel right now. I think the rest of the market is at two, two and a half. So I, I grabbed that already. I did grab the Minnesota Vikings minus two and a half. I think that's up to about three, three, three and a half now. And I did grab the Seahawks Giants over 44 and a half. Um, I think that's up to 46 in some places. But if you could find a 45, I think you're you're in a good spot. I I, I just think that that game's going to have a ton of points anyway. So those are the three I grabbed early. Actually, I did grab the Buffalo Bills as well. Um, yeah, I knew. No, I, did. I was waiting for boy. that one. I mean, I was <laughs> waiting go. for that one. Here uh, we go. The, the, uh, but that's a preview for what we got coming up on Thursday. Uh, I'll just <laughs> Look, throw that out there. Listen, getting, right now I'm yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bask in the glory of seventy points, and I'm gonna save <laughs> my, uh, my 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 stance and my take for what we got coming up on Sunday. Which, by the way, shame on the schedule makers. Miami and Buffalo should be the night game on Sunday evening. Instead, you're gonna have to sit there and watch the Jets against the Kansas City Chiefs. Haas, I wish we had flex scheduling already. You know, I know it's week four, but we could we could use a little flex for that particular game. I know. No, of course. I I, I don't understand the rules, but uh, for sure, nobody wants to watch uh, Zach Wilson again. Maybe it won't be Zach Wilson. Maybe they'll they'll have a new quarterback come Sunday. But if we're giving out picks on this Monday, there is an event in another part of the world in another sport altogether that I, my own self, have a perspective on. That is the Ryder Cup yes. is being competed yes. in up Rome, that. Italy. And by the time that we are back on Thursday, the, they will be underway in Rome, Italy. So I'll just give you my early lean, gents. Uh, I hate to do this. I'm all about the United States all the time. But the way this course is set up and the particular – constituency that the euros have pulled together i think there's a little value on the euros plus 120 in the market right now don't oh, hate man. me look oh, this is man. a I, 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 i'm not picking uh, against my country i'm just picking for my wallet that's all that's all fellas uh, listen money is money i i get it um 
I, I am intrigued by this Ryder Cup, though. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun, House. And I look forward to the Ryder Cup that is going to be in, in my neck of the woods in a couple of years. At Be- Can you imagine what that That's scene is going to be like at Beth Page for a freaking Ryder Cup? Amazing. It's going to be incredible. Lunatics like me hooting and hollering, yelling and screaming. Oh, it's going to be the best. The absolute best. All right, House. Thank you for that golf insight. We look forward to the Ryder Cup. We'll see you boys on Thursday for East Coast Bives as we look ahead to week four in the NFL. Fareen, House, JJ setting off. Want to thank Big Cliff filling in for Wargon Warrior, taking care of us, making sure the show sounds as good as it could sound. All things considered. Anytime I'm involved, you know, you need a little enhancing and editing. No, I'm just kidding. My beautiful voice sounds fantastic. Doesn't need anything touching. No Photoshop. None of that nonsense. All right, the boys are out. Be good, everybody. <laughs>